Amen. Second Samuel chapter 15, if you're there, say amen. Verse 1, it came to pass after this that Absalom prepared him chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man had controversy, he came to the king for judgment. Then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is of one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there's nobody here that can help you. There's nobody the king has deputed to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, that I were made a judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come unto me, then I would do him justice. His motive is starting to become clear. He wants control. Somebody say control. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came. Where did they come? You're reading this with me. Where did they come? To the king. They came to the king. But Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Their hearts were stolen in the gates. But the throne room was available to them. They stopped short of the glory of the throne room because they were distracted in the gates. And I feel like this morning the Lord is going to help us in this place. I want us to just pray, lift our hearts to the Lord. I felt very strongly impressed of the Lord this morning to preach what I'm going to preach to you. Let's ask the Lord to prepare our hearts. Could we, in the name of Jesus, speak to every heart, every life, every mind in this place. Let the will of God be done. In the name of Jesus, I plead your blood. I ask that the blood of Jesus would cover this house from the platform to the parking lot. That you would be with us. Hide me behind your cross this day, great God. Let your name be glorified. Let your body be edified. In Jesus' name, we'll give you thanks and praise. In Jesus' name, would you clap unto the Lord and give him thanks today for he is good. Turn to your neighbor and tell him you're glad to see him in the house of the Lord. Thank you, sweetheart. <clears throat> Praise God. You may be seated. I had to get me something to wet my whistle this morning. Everybody say, Pastor, take a drink. I didn't want to offend anybody, so I'm going to take another one. Aren't you thankful for the family of God? Amen. I want to preach to you today. Hearts that are stolen at the gate. Hearts that are stolen at the gate. Now, this story is so powerful. If we, uh, if we had a lot of time today to walk through the backstory, it would make a whole lot more sense. But I'll give you just a brief description. Absalom was the son of King David. Absalom was... Frustrated with his father and was leading a revolt uh, in the kingdom. As a matter of fact, in your Bible at one point it even says that he was leading a conspiracy. And his desire was to steal the hearts of the people. He wanted to lead. But it wasn't so much that he just wanted to lead the people as much as he wanted to wound his father. Absalom was full of bitterness and he wanted to destroy his own father. 
And I say that because it's important for you to understand that bitter people do things that may appear one way. They're doing it, it appears, to just gain control because they want to lead. But the, the truth is that he was trying to destroy his own father. And it takes patience to deal with people that have been infected by the venom of bitterness. Bitterness leads you to dark places. Bitterness takes you down dark hallways that they're not pleasant to be in. Bitterness opens up doors that you could not have pried open with joy in your heart. You couldn't have kicked them open with the joy of the Lord in your heart. But when you allow bitterness to creep in, it opens up doors to hatred, to jealousy, to envy, and to strife. And I'm not here today to just preach on bitterness. I'm going to take you somewhere today. But I want to tell you that we are, we are all susceptible to the venomous bite of the serpent. That if he cannot get you to sin by crazy means, if he cannot get you to leave your family, if he cannot get you to walk in the dark alleyways of drug addiction, if he cannot get you to buy into the false uh, gods of this world, then he will let you sit on a church pew and become bitter in your heart. And he'll do it in any way that he can. I know that the devil doesn't mind people going to hell off of a church pew as much as he does somebody out of the gutter. The devil is not real picky on how he gets people. He just wants to get people. And so he takes people that have been finely tuned and they've been refreshed by the Spirit of God. And since he can't get them to live the way they used to live, he gets them angry at people that are supposed to be their brother. And oftentimes that bitterness starts with roots of jealousy. If we had the time to walk through the oracles of the story in Genesis of the first two brothers that were created, that we see from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel were their names. And the Bible tells us that Cain became very wroth against his brother. And you can see that venom of bitterness working in his life. That when he got frustrated at God, when he got frustrated because his sacrifice was not accepted, then the word of the Lord said that he went to his brother who had been received of God. His sacrifice had been received, the firstling of his flock. And the Bible said that bitterness got a hold of his heart. And bitterness makes you blind to things. Bitterness causes you to see things more dimly than you should. And what started off as just jealousy that my brother was received and I was not became a spirit that ultimately overwhelmed him and he literally destroyed his brother and took his life. I want to tell you that not everybody who has backslid over bitterness was mad at a preacher. Not everybody that backslid over bitterness was mad at their pastor's wife. Not everybody who was lost over bitterness did it because the Sunday school teacher offended them. Sometimes bitterness starts with the smallest of ways because you thought somebody was upset with you that really just had their mind consumed with other things because they didn't shake your hand 
and you thought they had something against you, so the enemy starts messing with your mind. They don't love you anymore. They don't care about you anymore. They know what you've done, so they're not going to say anything to you. But I'm standing on this Sunday morning to tell you that the devil is still a liar. The devil is still a liar. I've come to encourage somebody in the house of the Lord. The enemy has tried to discourage you, but I've come to encourage you in the Lord and to let you know there is nothing in this world that is worth losing your soul over. I felt so strongly this morning to deal at the beginning of this sermon for some reason. I've never preached this out of this chapter, but I felt so strongly this morning to deal with this and how this spirit works. There was a spirit of manipulation that was working in Absalom, and he was standing at the gate. The reason why Absalom was standing at the gate, if you read the scripture, it said that he got there early. Everybody say early. He came early. He wanted to catch everybody. He, he got there just as the sun was coming up. He wanted to be certain that everybody that came to the gate heard his side of the story. But all of it was shrouded in false humility. If you look at how he dealt with people, it's so amazing. And I don't have time to stay here with this, but it's so amazing to me how bitterness works and how it's often shrouded in false humility. They'll kill their brother with one hand and they'll give you they'll give you obeisance and honor with the other hand but but bitterness the way that it works it's now hovering over Absalom and Absalom is willing to destroy innocent people's lives because he's angry I want to tell you today that hurt people hurt people There is a movement, and I've mentioned it several times, but it is part of the Antichrist spirit of the age. There is a movement right now that's trying to sell people on the idea of church hurt. You don't need to go to church because there's, you're, you're going to get hurt at church. You don't get hurt by the church. You get hurt by hurt people. You get hurt by wounded people. And wounded people will obfuscate your vision of what's really transpiring in the house. And so when you come innocently to the house of the Lord and bitterness begins to creep into your life, you don't see things as clearly as you should see things. And I'm going to tell you how it works. Bitterness will make you stay home on one Sunday night because you went on Sunday morning and didn't feel any relief. And then when Wednesday night rolls around, you say, ah... I think I'll stay and work just a little bit later. And then when Sunday morning rolls around, you think, well, is it really worth it if I go? Because last week, pastor didn't say anything to me anyway. (laughs) And it creeps in and it starts working on you. Do you know how people backslide? One day at a time. Do you know how people walk away from the church? One moment at a time. And bitterness creeps in. Bitterness makes you believe things that are not true, but it will also consume your life so much that you're willing to stand at the gate of breakthrough in other people's lives and be destroyed. So I've come to preach first and foremost today to anybody that would allow the spirit of bitterness in your heart and to tell you God can heal those places in your life. If you're here today and there's broken places that bitterness has entered in, I want to tell you about a God that can heal that. I know that men may have broken your trust 
And I know that people may have failed you, but I'm telling you about a God this morning that absolutely, positively, unequivocally cannot fail. God cannot fail, and God will heal. God can heal broken places. And if you're here today and you're dealing with that spirit in your heart, you first thing, the first thing you've got to do is identify it. Because if you don't get over it in your heart, the next step for you is finding victims at the gate that will buy in. And I'm just going to preach real to you for a minute. I'll try to make you happy in a few minutes. But I want to preach to you and tell you this morning that misery loves company. And birds of a feather, my God, y'all are preaching this morning. If you have struggled with the spirit of offense in your life, do not spend your time around people that are always offended. If you have struggled with bitterness in the past, don't find the mopiest people in the kingdom of God and spend your time holding hands with them. Find somebody that can encourage you in the Lord. Find somebody that can strengthen you in the Lord. Find somebody that instead of joining you in speaking death, you'll find somebody that'll speak life over you. Find somebody that can help you pick yourself up and be encouraged in the Lord. And so Absalom, he's at the gate, and he is deceiving people because he is deceived. He is deceived in his heart. But the thing that frustrates me about this story is that the Bible said, so that every man who came to see the king, somebody say the king, they didn't come to the gate to see Absalom. They came to see the king. But stay with me here now. The king was not in the gate. The king was on his throne of judgment. The king was seated in majesty, but people were caught up in a bitter battle that did not belong to them at the gate. People got stuck at the gate and their hearts got stolen at the gate because of something that wasn't even their battle to fight in the first place. I want to give you some wisdom today. Not every battle that your friends have is your battle. Not every battle that happens in your marriage. As a matter of fact, I'll say it even stronger. You don't have a battle in your marriage that should belong to your friends. If you've got a battle in your marriage, then you got to work that out at home with you and your spouse. Because everybody that you invite into that battle, once God heals you and your spouse, those people will still be angry at your spouse because of what they know. God bless you. Don't be running right now. When you, when you get at a place where you're trying to work some things out, listen, Absalom said, the only way that I'm going to get back at my father is I'm going to take everybody that comes to see him and bring them into this battle and make it their problem. I want to lift some weight off your shoulders today. You've had some things consuming you, weighing you down, resting on your shoulders, hindering your worship, hindering your faithfulness, that is absolutely not your battle. It's time to tell people, I don't need to know everything about what's happening in your life to pray for you. Woo. 
God. I'm preaching this morning. I know I am. I'm walking in the Holy Ghost to somebody in here today. Not everybody in the world needs to hear your side. Sometimes they just need they just need to know that you need some encouragement and let us encourage you and let us help you and let us bless you. Listen to what I'm telling you. The devil does not care how he strikes you out. He'll strike you out on a high pitch. He'll strike you out on a low pitch. He'll do whatever he's got to do. And if he can get other people to get swirled into your trouble and your problems or you can get caught up in their problems. I've been in this thing long enough to know I've seen people backslide over things that weren't even done to them. They backslid over things that were done to somebody else and they heard what they said. I don't know why I'm preaching this, but I know I'm in the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm telling you, I walked in here today and I felt it hit me like a ton of bricks. I couldn't wait to get through Bible class this morning. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost sent me here to save somebody's life today. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The Holy Ghost sent me here to tell somebody, it's not always going to be this way. You don't have to die this way. You don't have to live this way. You don't have to stay in the structure that you're in right now. There is an answer for you. Do not let your heart get stolen at the gate. There is an answer just beyond that gate in the throne room of heaven. So so he got there early and he's bringing everybody that he could. And then he starts lying to them. Listen to this. I'm telling you this is how it works. He starts lying to them. He said, the king has nobody. There's nobody deputed of the king to listen to you. This is the lie the devil tells you. There's nobody to listen to what you've got. There's nobody to listen to what you're going through. Only me. And so they get caught up and they start, they start asking questions in their head. Is that, is that really true? Do you really think the king doesn't care? Do you really think there's, there's, there's nobody in this whole kingdom that could listen to what I'm saying? And watch, watch how this works. In a moment of isolation. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? In a moment of isolation, the enemy starts making them believe that they're alone because they're isolated right now. And he loves to be your partner when you're lonely. He can make you believe things when you're by yourself that you would have never believed if you were with the body of Christ. Hey, I've come to preach to you this morning. We need one another. You know why people were backsliding while churches were shut down during the pandemic? They were backsliding because they weren't really connected to the body. They were just connected to an experience. Something's got to shake in your life and help you realize that even when you feel like you're alone, you are never alone. Even when you feel loneliness, you are not by yourself. Oh, God, help us. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? God, I know you're working. I feel the deep plow of your word working the soil of this church right now. I'm asking you to help somebody and heal somebody today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. So let's take this just a little bit further. He said, the king doesn't have anybody to listen to you. Why did he say that? Y'all know the answer, but I'm going to preach it anyway. 
He said that because he knew the king did. He said the king has nobody to listen to you because Absalom knew the king did have somebody. How did he know that? Because he was the king's son. Stay with me right here. I'm fixing to preach to somebody in this house that needs a little hope right now. But I want you to hear me. The devil's been lying to you. Are you hearing me today? Come on, I want it to be crystal clear. I'm not going to say it till I spray it. I'm going to just say it right now and get it in your spirit. The devil is a liar. Come on. Come on, I'm going to say it again. But I want you to say it with me this time like you got conviction and believe it. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Come on, say it till you believe it. The devil I said the devil I feel change breaking when you say that I'm telling you I felt it in the room right then I literally felt a shift in the room the devil is a liar your brother is not your enemy the devil is a liar and the truth is not in him today but I've come to expose the devil and I've come to let him know today we're going to win this thing and we will come through this victorious Jesus the devil is a liar The devil is a liar. And I don't believe liars. (laughs) I don't want to embarrass my kids at all. So I'm just going to be very, very, very vague with this story. But when I was, when my kids were younger, I don't even remember what it was. Honest to God, I don't remember at the time what it was. My wife may. But one of my kids, which you don't have to learn to lie. You have to learn to not lie. And one of my kids, I don't remember which one or what it was over, had lied. And I'm telling you, I came unglued. And I, I sat them down. I said, I will not raise a liar in this house. I will not have a liar in this house. Do you understand what I'm telling? You will tell me the truth. Do you, do you remember who it was? Was that you, Graceland? You told on yourself. I said, I refuse to raise a liar. I'm not going to have a lying kid. Do you understand what I'm telling you right now? But listen to me. You've got you've to get to the place. Lord, I need you to help me. I feel this right now. You've got to get to the place where you hate a lie as much as you love the truth. You've got to get to the place... Where you just refuse to listen to what he's saying to you. You refuse to listen to the vessels and the instruments that he sends your way. Listen, if the devil tells you that it's over, you need to remind him God's just getting started. Why did Absalom want to keep these people from getting to the king? Because Absalom was raised in the presence of the king. He knew the heart of David. And he knew that David had the heart of God. 
And he knew that David had the heart of the people. And, the, and, and Absalom knew if those people ever get to my father, if they ever get to the throne room, then my father is going to help them with whatever they need. Can I introduce you to a Luciferian spirit that was raised all of his created being life in the presence of almighty God in the throne room. The Bible said that he was created to worship. His pipes were in him. He was literally a walking organ. As he walked and inhaled and exhaled, it played majestic music in the ears of God almighty. The Bible said that he was a cherub that covered. In other words, he was an angel that stood guard at the throne of God and his wings covered the presence of God do you know why the devil wants to keep you out of the house of God so bad because he's been there before you know why he wants to keep you out of the presence of God because he's been there before and the devil knows if you ever get close enough to get the ear of the king if you ever get close enough to hear the mind of God, then everything he's trying to sell you, you're going to know it's a lie. If I can steal their heart at the gate, if I can stop them at the entry, they'll never go any deeper. I've come to preach to somebody today. Get out of the gate. The throne room is open. The king has nobody to listen to you, so tell me. You know why the devil wants to hear you say it? I'm telling you, I'm pre you want to know what spiritual warfare looks like? I'm preaching it to you right now. You know why the devil wants you to say it? You know why Absalom wanted to hear them say it? Because Absalom didn't have a clue what was going on. You know why the devil wants to hear you say it? Because he don't have a clue what's going on until you say it. There's enough Holy Ghost up here to make this a real bush. I looked down expecting to see some fruit hanging off that sucker. Church family, I'm going to preach to you right now. I'm going to preach something to you that needs to be said this morning. I know there's some of you that to you this is just old time. It's old fashioned. It's like, oh God, here he goes preaching. Listen, there's somebody here that's never heard what I'm saying and they need to hear this right now. The devil cannot read your mind. He cannot read your mind. So when you've been having thoughts that you shouldn't have, he can't read your mind. But you know what he can do? He can hear. And when you open up your mouth and say, I'm so sick of this. I'm ready to quit. He starts rubbing them hands together. He starts saying, oh, I've got them where I want them now. I, I've, I've got them out here at the gate, and they're already ready to quit. So I'm going to steal their hearts right here. Listen to what I'm telling you. If you'll just raise your eyes, there is a throne that's seated above your trouble and above your problems, and there is a king standing there with open arms saying, I'm right here right now. If you can make it through the gate, you can make it into my presence. But you've got to be willing to win the war at the gate. He can't hear what you're thinking. He don't have a clue what you're thinking. But he hears what you say. So you need to guard what you say with everything you've got. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Don't you dare ask God in your prayer 
to save your lost children and then sit down with your wife or husband and say, I don't know if God's ever going to save them. Start confusing angels. They're like. I don't know why I'm always just like, I'm always broke. I'm always broke. Probably because you're always saying it. When we learn to get grateful and thankful, it's amazing what God can do with a grateful heart. My God. It's amazing what God can do in your life when even when, even when you don't have what you wanted, you can be grateful that you have what you need. You know, I found a long time. I, love, I do like nice stuff. I do. I enjoy nice stuff. I like to have nice stuff. I thank the Lord for it. But you know what I found? I don't care if a pair of britches cost $20 or $200. You put them on the same way and they tear up the same way. Strawberry jelly don't care if your britches were $200 or $20. If you drop your biscuit on your britches, you're going to have jelly on your pants. And some people think that the answer is getting new pants. No, the answer is holding on to the biscuit. Can I just preach Gerber style to you right now? Well, if God would give me some nicer pants, they wouldn't stain like that. That's not true. You dropped it. Anybody, please tell me there's somebody here that eats jelly on a biscuit. I'm starting to get worried. I'm sorry you had butter on your English muffin. <laughs> Listen, I'm going to tell you, we're blaming our, our spirit, and I'm going to use this language, this English. We're blaming a spirit of unhappiness on what we don't have. When the truth is, we're just not grateful for what we've been blessed with. And the devil don't know what to do with people that he's always dangling carrots in front of. But it don't phase you. If you, just take, if you just take this job, I know you'd miss more church, but you'd have more money. And then you open up your mouth and say, but the Lord is good. And he's provided for all my needs. Look, I'm not telling you God doesn't want you to do better. I'm telling you, the key to doing better is to win the battle in the shallows at the gate and don't let a spirit of ungratefulness get a hold of you and say, you know what, I appreciate you stopping right here and trying to stop me, but I didn't come to see you. I didn't come to have a conversation with you. I came to talk to the king, and I'm not going to leave here until I talk to the king. You know, I believe sometimes, I'm hurrying, I believe sometimes God shows us glimpses of good things so that we'll want good things. I do. I, I, I don't know how to explain that to you totally, but I believe it happens spiritually and physically. I believe God gives us the opportunity to see better things, to experience glimpses of his glory that are maybe deeper than we've ever seen, but it's just a glimpse of it. So now we're hungry for it. And we won't be satisfied until we start walking in the deeper things of God. Does that make any sense? 
We, we, we come and God shows us just a glimpse of something we've never seen. And we're like, whoa, I didn't even know how to be hungry for that. But now I'm hungry for it because I've seen it. But, but what happens at the gate, Lord help me get this to somebody. What happens at the gate is the devil convinces you that the glimpse you saw was all there is. That's all it's ever going to be. You saw the glimpse of it. So now don't worry about fighting for that. Because you got to see it. So just be thankful and move on. So now I'm kind of preaching about the part where it's okay to be ungrateful. When God has something better for me, and it's drawn me closer to him to have it, I need to pursue it. Now, this is a funny story. I may have told this in this church. I don't know. I've told it around the country. When I was a little kid, my dad was on the evangelistic field. We were traveling full time. And I don't say this in a disrespectful manner. I mean it sincerely. When you're preaching in and out of other people's churches all the time, you know, some pastors have a little, little bit different perspective on some convictions than other pastors do. You know, some, some are like, they just have different things. It's, it's length of sleeves and, you know, different convictions that, that they have. And, and so you're always cognizant of that. And when you preach somewhere and, and you know that uh, they've never ever, their kids have never seen cartoons ever because they've never had a television or anything like that. That's when you get to talk from your mom. If you say one thing to them about the Care Bears, I will kill you. <laughs> and uh, matter of fact, I, don't, I shouldn't even stop and take the time to tell, but, but, but Brother Mike Bing was preaching for a, a man that was dead set against it, never had TV or whatever, and LeBannon was riding in between. Back then, it was cool. You could actually, I don't know, you kids never know this, but you could actually ride in the front seat between your parents. And so LeBannon was riding up there between the pastor and his dad, and the pastor goes over this big hill, and LeBannon goes, Woo, Duke's a hazard. <laughs> and the pastor said, uh, Brother LeBannon, how do you know about the Duke's a hazard? He said, It's on my lunchbox. <laughs> <laughs> So, long story short, my family and I were preaching for this man, and, and I'm saying this in a facetious way, but he preached against everything but fresh air. He was very, very rigid. And in the middle of that revival, we took a break, and we went to Hot Springs, Arkansas for a conference. And uh, I just went there 1st of June, I guess it was the 1st of June, took my kids, and I was reminded of the story. So in Hot Springs, there's a big casino and a horse track, kind of like here in OA town. And uh, so my Uncle Mike was there. I don't know why he keeps coming up in these worldly stories, but he's there. <laughs> so my Uncle Mike was there, and he said, uh, dude, I want to show the kids something cool. And so we got in his truck, and we drove into this neighborhood. And in this neighborhood, like, the other side of it was the horse track. And that that chain link fence was covered in ivy so you couldn't see through it was like and so there's houses on the left side it's just a regular neighborhood and then the fence on this side and they got privacy from the horse track and we we got up to this one spot where the ivy was like gone i guess this was the nosy neighbor and all the ivy was gone so he stops and parks the truck and he's like here it is kids and i'm like we're in a neighborhood He's like, no, come over here. I want to show you something. So we walk over to this hole in the fence. And he's like, you kids look in there. And I'm like, yeah. Old people like good things, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's cool. And all of a sudden, I heard this sound like thunder. 
like, what in the world? And I look in that fence, and here come the horses that are, the horses were running. And they go, Phew! and he goes, okay, kids, let's get in the truck and go. And I'm like, what in the world was that, you know? So we go back in our revival to this preacher who was hard as nails. And he says, well, tell me, Brother Luke, how was, uh, how was the conference? I said, it was good, Elder. We went to the horse races. <laughs> he said, you did what? I said, we went to the horse race. My dad said, oh, no, we didn't. I said, Dad, you know we did. <laughs> you my dad's like backpedaling with everything he's got. He's like, no, no, no. We, 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 we didn't really go to the horse race. I'm like, Dad, you know we did. We pulled up, then we saw the horse go by. So anyway, my dad never preached for that guy again. But I want to tell you what happened. A few weeks ago in June when we were there, I wasn't even thinking about it. I mean, I was in Hot Springs, but we drove by. And I'm on the, like, the far side, I guess it would be like the west side, whatever, of the horse track. And I looked across, all the way across the horse track in the open field. And I said, girls, that's the fence right over there where my uncle consumed me with the things of the world. Let me tell you what happened. You know I'm a, I ain't going to no horse races. I've seen it destroy too many people's lives. But I'm going to tell you this. In my immaturity, oh God, I feel like preaching in here right now. In my immaturity, I was convinced because I caught a glimpse, I had seen it all. There's some people in this room this morning that have caught glimpses of the goodness of God. And the devil has told you that's all he's got for you. But I've come to tell you about a glorious gospel. I've come to tell you about something that's better than you've ever imagined. I've come to preach in here this morning. God's got more for you than just getting baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. There is a glorious, victorious life that God is calling you to live. Don't you dare be satisfied with just a glimpse of his goodness. I've come to tell you today, it's time to jump in. It's time to walk all the way in. It's time to get out of the gate. It's time to go to the throne room. I got to hurry. I'm closing this morning. Music can come. Listen, I've come to preach on this Sunday morning. I've come to preach to somebody that tradition is holding you in the gate. What you've been taught to be the best that God has is not the best. Somebody may have told you that this is all there is to God. But I've come to preach to you this morning. There's more to God than you can see. Just because he saved you does not mean that you have depleted the glorious reservoirs of his mercy. There is so much more to the depths of his goodness than you could ever imagine. But there are more people that are trapped in the gates. I want everybody to hear me right now. Come on. There are more people that are trapped in the gates of traditionalism than you could ever imagine. And you have been convinced that false doctrine is the best that he's got for you. 
But I want to tell you why the devil wants you to be stuck in the gates of false doctrine. It's because he knows what happens if you ever break through the gate. He doesn't want you to know how much power there is in praying in the Holy Ghost every day of your life. He doesn't want you to be baptized in the saving name of Jesus because it's not a threat to him for you to get baptized for everybody to see it. But it is a threat to him when you get baptized in the watery grave of baptism and you come up out of that water and every addiction he's put in your life and every chain that ever held you bound is laying at your feet. It is dangerous to him. He don't mind you putting a a little fish on the bumper of your car and telling the world you're a Christian. What scares him to death is when you start acting like one. Well, I put on my shirt that said, I love Jesus. But you know what's going to rock his world and your world? When you start showing the world how much you love him. I love him so much that I'll do anything I've got to do to stay close to him. I love him so much I'll do whatever I've got to do to be in his house. I love him so much that I'll love my brothers and my sisters even when I don't understand. I love him that much. The danger of entertaining conversation in the gate. So sad to me. I wish I had time to preach all this. But so sad to me. They came to see the king. He said, there's nobody to hear it. There's nobody to listen. And so instead of them just stopping right there and saying, you know what, I believe there's more. The scripture said that he stole their heart. Their heart was stolen. What does that mean? That means in that moment they believed everything he said and they would never go deeper. There's there's people in this room today that the enemy would love to steal your heart at the gate because he's going to keep you from ever going deeper. Listen to what I'm telling you today. I'm standing on the word of God. Listen to what I'm telling you today. There is a deeper place for some of you that's not, it's not just, it's not just a blessing that the Lord wants to take you to, but it is a place of necessity in your life. It's a place that's necessary for you. God doesn't just want to take you deeper so you can see that he's better than you've ever seen him be. He wants to take you deeper because that's the place where you can truly know him and walk with him. He wants to take you deeper because you've been on the balance of in, out. Should I stay? Should I go? Should I live for God? Is it worth it? Is all this that they preach really true or is it not true? And you're stuck in that gate. Do I really have to be holy? Do I really have to be separate? Do I really have to be baptized? Do I really have to receive the Holy Ghost? And you're rocking back and forth. Let me tell you, if you'll win that war right there, you're going to see a depth. Oh, God. You're going to see a depth of God that you never dreamed existed because he's waiting at the other side of the gate. I have watched people die right there in the gate, give their heart to whatever it was, and say, my heart is now stolen. It belongs to you. And the king standing just on the other side saying why wouldn't you come why wouldn't you trust me why wouldn't you follow me look I'm pulling for somebody in this house today in the Holy Ghost I'm pulling in this house for somebody today 
You, you think you've seen all there is to see. You think you know all there is to know about God. But there is a measure of His love that He wants to expose you to today. That you will never experience standing at the gates of confusion. You'll never experience it standing at the gates of negotiation. Somebody just needs to get bold enough in the Holy Ghost today to tell the devil, I'm not going to listen to your lies anymore. I'm going deeper and I'm moving on with Jesus. I'm going, I'm going to the gate. Come on, you're letting pride keep you in your seat this morning. You're letting pride, the spirit of arrogance, keep you held in your pew today. It's time to let the devil know, I'm going to win this battle. I'm going to win this battle. I sincerely believe some of you are afraid of what's going to happen in your life if you make that level of commitment to God. But let me just invite you. Come on in. The water's warm. Come on. Just come on in today. Come on in. Let God be God in your life. I'm reaching. I'm preaching today. I'm not here today to hear somebody say, man, that was good preaching. I'm here today to hear somebody say, today I made up in my mind.